Hi everyone, welcome to today's Safety and Health webcast, Injury, Illness, Electronic Submission to OSHA, sponsored by Cority. My name is Kevin Drulli. I'm an associate editor with Safety and Health magazine, and I will be moderating today's session. Thanks for joining us. In a few minutes, we'll start the presentation, but first I want to go over some preliminary items. The views of today's speakers and organizations are their own and do not necessarily reflect those of the National Safety Council or Safety and Health magazine. Any mention of a commercial enterprise, product, or publication does not mean the council or magazine endorses those items. At the end of today's webcast, we will conduct a question and answer session. To ask a question, simply type it in the text box in the lower left-hand corner of your screen and click the button for Submit Question. Feel free to ask your question at any time during the presentation. You don't have to wait for the question and answer session to begin. We'll try to answer as many questions as possible, but because of the large number of participants today, we might not get to every question. Any unanswered questions will be forwarded along to today's speakers. For basic troubleshooting information, click the Help button located on your screen. At the end of the webcast, you will be asked to complete a brief evaluation survey. I will let you know more about that after the presentation. This webcast is archived, so you can access it after today's live event. To view this webcast and all our past webcasts, go to safetyandhealthmagazine.com slash events. With that, let's go ahead and get started. Our speakers today will be Melissa Kephart and Andrew Penner. Melissa is a product manager for QWERTY who specializes in the areas of implementation planning, work process review, training, and sustaining support. She brings extensive experience in custom OHS software development, agency level safety program management, and voluntary protection programs. Andrew is a QWERTY product analyst who works with new product features and enhancements. In addition, he supports QWERTY sales and marketing teams to assist current and future clients. Again, we thank all of you for tuning into this presentation. Melissa and Andrew, whenever you're ready, go ahead and take it away. Okay, great, thank you. Um, so thanks for joining us today to talk about electronic submission of injury illness data to OSHA. Um, this is a subject where there's been a lot of change and some uncertainty. Um, so we're gonna focus on what we know now, how to proceed in the midst of uncertainty, and what may change in the future. So in, uh, on May 12, 2016, uh, OSHA published a new rule, Improved Tracking of work Workplace Injuries and Illnesses, and that requires electronic submission of injury and illness data to OSHA. Um, prior to this rule, OSHA uh, obtained injury and illness data uh, through on-site inspections or by inclusion in an annual survey such as the OSHA Data Initiative, uh, which collects summary data from about 80,000 establishments. Uh, the rule allows OSHA to obtain a much larger, larger data set of more timely establishment-specific information uh, about injuries and illnesses in the workplace. Um, as an aside, BLS, the Bureau of Labor Statistics, also collects annual data from about 230,000 establishments. Uh, but that uh, data cannot be released uh, to OSHA. Uh, so this is supplemental. And if you are submitting data to BLS, you still have to submit data to BLS. This is not, uh, it does not replace it. Uh, the electronic submission requirement does not add or change uh, any of the employer's obligations to complete and retain injury and illness records. And it also does not add or change the record keeping criteria or definitions. So 
no change to how you record injuries, illnesses, no new data points. It's strictly submission of the data. Um, the final rule also included a provision that data uh, would be made publicly available. Um, there are some things to note about that. That has been a really contentious point. Uh, it may be amended at a later date. Um, OSHA says that it will use uh, software to scrub any employee data uh, to protect their privacy. So, for example, if an, if an employee's name had been entered in the text description of the injury illness, uh, they would be using software to remove that. Um, also, they say that there would be two systems, one for data collection, the other for sharing of data, and the data to be shared would not include the employee fields uh, from the forms. Um, note that uh, employee data is more of an issue when we're talking about the Forms 300 and, and 301, uh, not the 300A. That's summary and does not include employee-specific information, and that's what's, in, what's required to be submitted in 2017 for 2016 data year. So we're talking about the 300A, uh, and we'll get more into those requirements later. Uh, there's also an anti-retaliation provision. Uh, it came about during the rulemaking process because there was a concern that the electronic submission requirement might create a motivation for employers to under-report injuries illnesses. I'm not going to focus a lot on anti-retaliation. Uh, again, it's an another contentious point that may be amended at a later date. Uh, but it requires that the employer establish a reasonable procedure for employees to report work-related injuries and illnesses. They must inform employees of the procedure and inform employees of the right to report. Um, if you're familiar with voluntary protection programs, there's some longstanding guidance on things like incentive programs and what might be considered retaliation. Uh, but some examples would be uh, if you have rigid deadlines to report an injury or illness, let's say a 24-hour period, uh, and that an employee may not know that they have an injury or illness at that point, um, that could be considered retaliation. Uh, canceling an incentive program simply based on an employee reporting an injury or illness. Um, or if you routinely subject employees uh, to drug tests uh, immediately following an injury or illness, uh, regardless of the circumstances surrounding the injury. Um, an example would be that, uh, let's say I sustain an injury due to faulty equipment, uh, and then the immediate response is to uh, require drug testing uh, when it's clear that the faulty equipment was involved. Um, that could be considered retaliation uh, in, in the form of invasion of privacy. Um, OSHA still does support incentive programs, um, and drug testing is okay, just not uh, in the examples they provide that could be considered retaliation. Um, it also provides some more tools for uh, enforcement if retaliation occurs, uh, including fines and orders to abate, uh, even if the employee does not file a complaint. So this is in addition to uh, 11C complaints where an employee can file a complaint. This allows uh, for enforcement action if there is an aggrieved employee who hasn't filed a complaint. Um, so a, a basic timeline of what we're, we're talking about, uh, you can see on the slide. Uh, so the new rule was issued on May two, 
May 2016 with a deadline of July 1st, 2017 to submit the data. Uh, the deadline passed with no system to report the data. Uh, in fact, the system, the injury tracking application was made available on August 1st, 2017. Um, also in, in July 2017, the Trump Unified Agenda re released. And for OSHA, and it includes an item that says OSHA intends to issue a proposal to reconsider, revise, or remove provisions uh, to improve the tracking of workplace injuries and illnesses final rule. So there hasn't been a lot of activity on that. Uh, you can follow it on reginfo.gov. That's where the unified agenda is. So uh, it puts us in a little bit of a no man's land, uh, but I want to focus on what we uh, know now. Uh, I also have a point on the slide about uh, the injury tracking application. So it came up on August 1st, 2017. Um, it was shut down about two weeks later because there was a reported breach. It was uh, brought up again on August 25th. Uh, so the, the background on that is that the, uh, a division within Homeland Security uh, sent an alert to OSHA saying there is a potential compromise of user information, and we're talking about uh, username and password for the ITA. Uh, a full analysis and scan was completed by the National Information Technology Center, and it was found there was no breach uh, and no information was compromised. And just a point on that, um, sorry, I'm hearing an echo, so I'm. Trying to correct that. Um, just a point about blog posts. So there are still blog posts going on stating that there was a breach. Um, we contacted OSHA and got an official statement from them. Um, so I would be cautious, um, try to go through modified organizations uh, where, where people are reviewing the information rather than personal websites uh, where they may not be getting uh, more timely information. Uh, in terms of applicability for this uh, final rule, we're talking about establishments with 250 or more employees. Uh, if, there are, if you have 20 to 249 employees in certain industries, uh, this also applies. The industries are determined by NACS code, and the NACS codes are available on OSHA's website to determine uh, if you fall under these uh, applicable NACS codes. Uh, note that it is going to be a standard list of NACS codes. It was uh, considered at one point to have a changing list of codes depending on data that was submitted in the previous year, but that was found to be burdensome. Uh, and so in that case, it's just a standard list of codes. Uh, for state plan states, um, per usual, they have to have substantially identical requirements and they may use the OSHA website um, and you can find from your state how they plan to address it. Um, so the requirements are establishment-based, based on the number of employees. It is the peak employment at any time during the calendar year. Uh, it's not the same 
uh, as the average number of employees that you would put on your Form 300A. So there is a difference. We're talking about peak employment during the calendar year. So that would include seasonal or temporary employees. Um, and also when we're talking about establishments, we're talking about uh, a single physical location. That's what's considered to be an establishment. And so if you have a campus, that is considered to be a, a, an establishment. There are some limited conditions where you may consider uh, two or more separate facilities on the same location to be uh, separate establishments, but I would look at uh, OSHA's website to make sure you meet those criteria. It would have to be uh, two totally different industries, uh, different uh, payroll, um, so it's, it's pretty stringent to be able to uh, fall under that. Uh, the requirements will be phased in, so there's a, a two-year phase-in period, and the, the purpose of that was to uh, minimize first-year costs of submitting the data. Um, also, there's, there's an assumption that larger companies already have a, an electronic record-keeping system where you can pull the data, uh, but it allows smaller companies to adjust. Um, and also allows OSHA to harden the system uh, based on first-year experience, and helps them establish help resources. Uh, so when we're talking about uh, submission requirements and deadlines, uh, for the data year 2016, it's uh, proposed to be due uh, December 1st, and we're only talking about the 300A regardless of establishment size. For 2017, that's the phase in would be to submit the 300A, 300, 301 for establishments with 250 or more employees. And the deadline would be July 1st. Uh, 2018 would be the first full year uh, with everything phased in. Uh, and the deadline for submission would be March 2nd. So for any year following the 2018 data year, the data deadline would be March 2nd. So that's the, the full phase in year. So really I'm focusing on the 2016 data year to be submitted by December 1st. Uh, we know there may be some changes, so uh, we've got two months to, to get to 2016 handled, so we're focusing on that. Uh, so this is the 300A. This is what we're talking about submitting in 2017. It's the summary information. There's no employee-specific data. Uh, and the right side does contain uh, specific establishment data. Uh, so for submitting, there are three methods to submit. There's manual data entry, uh, you could do a, a file to batch up, upload, uh, or you can use an API. Uh, so when we're talking about ma manual data entry, it's literally typing the data into the system. Um, it's, it's good if you have a small number of establishments or one establishment, or if you don't have an electronic record-keeping system. Uh, the other options are more if you're using an electronic record-keeping system already, uh, if you have one internal or a third-party vendor. Uh, the file method is to use a CSV file. Uh, 
you can submit it through OSHA's website, um, and you don't have to create the establishments as a separate step. It is included in the actual import file. Uh, the API is similar to the batch upload. Uh, on the back end, it would be done through your electronic record keeping system. So it would have to be built into that. Uh, the, the step with OSHA is that you need to create an account and get a token uh, to enter in so that you can, your two systems can communicate with each other. So when we're talking about the ITA, the Injury Tracking Application, uh, the links are available from OSHA's website, uh, and you can, you can create an account there, and you can use that account to submit as many establishments as you need or want to submit. Um, the ITA allows updates to data that has already been submitted, uh, but updates are not required. Uh, you can also log in at any time and see anything you've you've already submitted. If you're using a third-party vendor to track injury and illness data, I would advise that you talk to them and determine which method they support. Uh, at a minimum, most systems should support the export of a, a data file that has what you need, uh, but most should support the API as well. Uh, so when, when we're talking about the API, that's not something that you would just go and develop on your own. Uh, it's really two different systems communicating with each other. So there is also a sandbox site for the ITA. The link is available on OSHA's website. Uh, and this is used to just test your data submission. Um, I've used that uh, sandbox site to submit data using all three methods. The OSHA estimate is that it's 10 minutes to create an account, uh, 10 minutes to create an establishment, and 12 minutes to submit data. I would actually say that those estimates are pretty high. Um, I was able to submit, create accounts, submit pretty quickly. Uh, really, for someone who's submitting information, the time involved is prior to the actual submission, getting your data together, getting your process together, um, figuring out what method you're going to use, and, and, and coordinating if you have multiple establishments. Um, also keep in mind that you can submit things to the Sandbox site. Uh, it is purged and it also does not count as your data submission. So it truly is a test site. So if we're talking about the manual data entry, like I said, it's best if you have one or a few establishments, uh, or if you're a small company that doesn't have an electronic uh, record keeping system. Uh, so the steps would be to go to the ITA, set up an account, set up your establishments with basic data about the establishment, average number of employees, uh, the NACS code, the address information. Uh, then you would type your 300A data into the system. Uh, the data entry screen looks like the 300A, so it's a fairly simple transcription. Uh, and then you click Submit, and then the system will send confirmation emails. When you are entering your data, there is some data control. Uh, some of it is hard, some of it is soft and force. And what I mean by hard and soft and force, uh, 
a soft enforce would be, let's say I entered my information and I had more cases than I had employees for the year. Um, the soft enforce would be to tell me, hey, that's a, that's a little bit off, that, that seems wrong, uh, but it will allow me to submit with that data. Hard enforce would be if I try to enter my data and I say I had my average number of employees was zero. So the system won't let me submit because I, I should have some employees. So there is some data control. Uh, again, another thing would be that your sums should add up properly. So your total number of cases should be equal to the injury and illness breakdown on the, the bottom left side um, of the form. Uh, once you submit, uh, you should get two emails. Uh, the first is just a confirmation that, the, that it was received. And the subject line will be received submission. Uh, the second is confirmation that the file was submitted and processed properly. And the subject line is successful submission. Um, those are when you're using manual data entry, those emails are immediate uh, because the data control is on the actual screen where you're entering the data. Um, again, if you're entering multiple establishments, it, you would just sequentially go through your establishments. The um, user interface is, is pretty easy to find your establishment and enter it. Um, also, there are help slash information icons on each field uh, where you would need to type data. Uh, but really, at, at that point where you're typing data in, you should be, really be just describe, transcribing data, not determining is this recordable or not. The second option is to batch upload a file. Uh, and this is if, if you have multiple establishments and you either have a system where you can export data or you have maybe an Excel spreadsheet where you have your information, uh, this would be the, a good option. Um, you do not have to create the establishments in advance. The establishment is created through the file. So your establishment uh, information is in there. Uh, and you can also, like I said, you can do updates through the system. They're not required, but let's say if you wanted to update uh, uh, some records, you can also update using import. Uh, we're talking about a CSV file, and CSV is comma-separated value. It's typically an export option from systems as far as the format of the export file. Um, or if you have an Excel file, you can save it. Um, as CSV. Uh, there on OSHA's website, there are specs for the file, and there's also an example file um, on OSHA's webpage. Um, so I took the specs and just made my own file. Um, it's you know, the same number of fields as on the uh, 300A plus your establishment information. Um, it's pretty self-explanatory, um, but there are there is a key for both size and uh, establishment type when we're talking about the establishment. So there's a key, um, you put a, a one in your file if it's less than 20 employees, two if it's 20 to 249, three if it's greater than 250. Um, and it's something similar uh, to determine the type of establishment. Um, so that's available on uh, OSHA's website. Uh, and also in, in the example file. Uh, the same is with manual uh, uh, import. 
there are two emails that are sent. Uh, the first email uh, is almost immediate, and it says, we received your submission. Uh, the second email is confirmation that the file was accepted and submitted. Um, there is a delay because there is a they batch process the data that's submitted uh, in three-hour intervals, and then the email is sent. Uh, so unlike the manual data entry option, you're just up, you're uploading a file. So there there's no way to say, oh this this field looks a little weird, or why are you reporting that you have zero employees? Uh, so if there are any issues in your file, they will be identified in the second email. Uh, some of them are uh, more like the hard and soft enforced examples that I uh, went through before. Um, if you need to correct any of the data uh, based on the issues that were reported, you can go in and manually correct them, um, or you can correct your file and upload it again. The third option, API, again, this would be more two systems speaking with each other. So you'd want to speak to your vendor. Uh, and follow their instructions on how this how it works within their system. So you wouldn't be going to the OSHA website uh, except to get your uh, token, which allows for the communication between the systems. Uh, the actual steps are going to vary depending on your vendor. It might be part of a report. It might be part of the application. Uh, but again, the emails work the same as file upload. Uh, you get the two emails. Uh, the second would identify if there are any issues that you should review or correct. Um, so a recommended plan for moving forward, uh, given that there's some uncertainty, um, remember that we're talking about a December 1st deadline for 2016 data, and we're only talking about the 300A. Um, so the first step uh, in the recommended plan is to define your establishments, uh, determine what you're going to report, uh, set up an account in the ITA sandbox. That should take less than 10 minutes. Determine the method uh, that you're going to use for 2016. So are you going to just type the data in manually? Are you going to use the file? Uh, or are you going to use your existing software uh, using an API to submit? Um, if you do not have a system, at this point it's probably late to implement one to submit. Uh, so you'd be looking at manual data entry or a file. Uh, then I would say review the data that you're going to submit. Uh, we've had had some soak time since it's it's 2016 data, uh, but pull your data data together, do a review, and then I would recommend doing a test submission to the sandbox. And you don't have to submit your company name or establishment information. Uh, you can change it to company X and establishment one two three four. It 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 will take that in the sandbox. Uh, so remove any kind of company identifiers. And this is truly to test your submission method, test your file. Uh, the emails are sent from the sandbox uh, and give you the, any issues with your file. 
So it is very similar to using the actual production site. Um, although remember, it doesn't satisfy your reporting requirement and the data is purged periodically. Um, and from that point forward, uh, really what you're planning to do is have everything in the can ready to go, um, monitor regulatory developments, um, and as December 1st remains as the deadline, uh, plan to submit in late November. Um, I would not, I would say late November, I would not wait until November 30th, as I would expect there would be a really heavy load on the system, things might be slower than, than expected. Um, so I mentioned that some things may change, and, and we really don't know. Um, I don't have a crystal ball. I don't know exactly what's going to happen. But uh, some of the areas that have been most contentious uh, with the new rule uh, may change. Um, I spoke about uh, the data being made publicly available. Uh, that might change. The anti-retaliation -retali provisions might change. Um, some other uh, speculation is that the submission would be limited to the 300A for subsequent years. Uh, it is, for this year, just the 300A anyways as part of the phase-in, um, and possibly uh, limiting the industries that must submit if you have 20 to 249 employees. Um, so again, speculation, but these are things that may change. Um, uh, and we'll just have to monitor the, the regulatory agenda and uh, OSHA to, to, to see what's going to happen. Uh, but like I said, uh, I would plan for December 1st holding and have a plan in place to, to meet that date. Um, so I think we're, we're ready to take questions now. Um, you can submit them through the system. Yes, no, excellent. Thank you. Thank you, Melissa. We appreciate your, your insights and expertise. Um, before we do start the Q&A, first want to let people know um, we've received some feedback and the correct slides should be available now on the presentation widget at the bottom of the screen. So if you've not found those, they should be available there. So you should uh, first refresh on your screen and then look again at that widget at the bottom of the screen. Um, also want to remind everyone of the evaluation survey that we'll be asking you to complete. Uh, survey should be appearing on your screen now. Your input is important because it'll help us improve future webcasts. Um, if you do not see the evaluation survey on your screen, please turn off your pop-up blocker. You may also access the survey by clicking the survey button near the lower right part of the screen. And with that, we will get to some questions. First, um, we have numerous business units under one roof, and we've been posting our 300A by address, not by the individual business units. Can we submit it as a whole, or do we need to do it individually? So you would be submitting by establishment, which is a physical location. Um, so if you had, let's say, multiple divisions or business unit within one location, it would be for everything that fell within that location. All right, um, next one. We have several terminals with our company uh, transportation drivers co-located with the asphalt terminal. Both groups have different NAICS codes. Does the OSHA site allow for more than one NAICS? It does. So the NAICS code is assigned 
uh, at the establishment level. So you would be able to enter multiple establishments, uh, possibly each with a different code. Next, uh, does the submission requirement apply to, fe to federal agencies as well as general industry? Uh, federal agencies are generally exempt from the record keeping regulations. Uh, the Postal Service is not exempt as they're quasi-governmental, um, but they do not have to submit through e-submission. Um, next question deals with um, random DOT drug testing and just was looking for some thoughts on that. Uh, so in reference to the anti-retaliation, uh, random DOT testing is not considered retaliation. And also uh, any kind of testing done as part of your state workers' comp requirements would not be considered retaliation. Uh, it would be something, a policy where any injury or illness, um, the employee is drug tested. That could be considered retaliation. If you aren't have, uh, considering the circumstances of the incident. So like I report carpal tunnel and then I'm drug tested. There's clearly no relationship uh, between carpal tunnel and, and drug use. Um, so that could be considered retaliation. Is there an exception to OSHA's new drug testing regulation for those sites whose state's workers' comp laws offer a financial incentive to testing? Any, anything you're doing with workers' comp, not considered retaliation. What if one of our locations across the U.S. only has 60 employees, but overall our company has 2,500 employees nationwide at many locations? Does that one facility still need to report? No. So we're talking about the size of the establishment. Uh, so if you have uh, 20 to 249 employees and you fall under, that establishment falls under one of the codes that apply, you would submit, and then the submission requirement is for 250 or greater employees. I have, kind of, have a, kind of a similar question. Um, our establishments are split up between two different companies. Would each company have to submit an OSHA 300A? Uh, I would refer to the OSHA website because there are, like I mentioned, some situations where a physical location uh, could actually be two separate establishments. Uh, some of the guidelines, without reading them, uh, right now uh, different industries um, if employees report to different companies if there are different payroll systems uh, it sounds like in your example it would be considered separate establishments but i would uh, look at the requirements in light of your your specific uh, situation This, uh, this question, they note that their organization has 18 to 20 construction workers and that averages to 19. So in reference to peak employees, could you give an example? Uh, sure. So let's say I run a package delivery service and I hire a lot of seasonal employees around the holidays to deliver holiday packages. My peak employment would fall within December. So let's say from January to November, I usually have 10 to 12 employees 
but in December I have 30, my peak employment would be 30. So we're not talking about average, we're talking about the point in time when you had the most employees on the roll. Did the posting dates change with the e-reporting dates? No. So anything related to paper uh, forms, the, the requirements for those, that has not been changed by the final rule. So the dates are the same, the forms are the same, everything's the same. Um, I also didn't mention that uh, there is no uh, get out of jail free as far as electronic submission. There's no you know form you can mail in or email. It is the, you have to put it into the ITA injury tracking application. This question was seeking clarification. Uh, for large companies with many establishments, can you upload one CSV file that includes all establishments, or do you need to upload multiple file, files for each establishment? Right, so if you have multiple establishments, if you're using the upload file uh, or the API, you can submit all of them at once. So it is one submission for the company with all of your establishments. Again, if you, you can do as many submissions as you want, but my goal would be to do it once and be done with it. Uh, but if you miss one, you can enter it later. Uh, and if you need to make any updates, you can do those in bulk as well. How will the ITA treat privacy cases and, in, and injuries to sensitive body parts? Good question. So uh, I mentioned there would be two systems, and honestly, I don't know if the second system exists. That would be uh, more of an OSHA technology question. Uh, so when we're talking about privacy cases, uh, that would be blocking out the employee name. Uh, so when we're talking about making things publicly available, that information would not even be in that database to be made available. This question uh, and also, the... sorry, I had a second second part to that that just occurred to me. Uh, so when we're talking about uh, privacy cases as well, uh, in uh, the, the, the preamble there's some discussion about privacy cases and, and the thought is that by having uh, larger companies submitting data that you would not be able to deduce who the employee was from things like the date of injury or description. Next one. Um, we report 300A summary on all of our establishments, even ones that are well under 250 employees. According to this, we don't have to report the 300As on those smaller establishments? You have to maintain the 300A, but you don't have to submit it electronically. If you're normally exempt but are tracking only due to a BLS request, do you have to electronically submit? Uh, you, with BLS, uh, you don't have to, uh, but there may be additional OSHA data requests uh, where you would use the ITA, but you would know that you would have to use the ITA for that. Are municipalities or local governments uh, included in the high-risk category? You know, I do not have the, the codes uh, memorized. I can do a, a, a quick check. Um, I do not see anything, uh, but I would definitely check on your own on uh, OSHA's website. Uh, so if you go to uh, osha.gov slash recordkeeping, 
you're able to find um, all of the reference materials for this. The final rule, FAQs, information about submitting, uh, and there's very clearly on that page a list of the, the high-risk industries. Are you able to change submission methods after initial setup? Yes. So uh, <clears throat> let's say I use the API, I, use a, I have a vendor and I, I submit my data using the API, but then I realize that I need to correct uh, one piece of information for one of my establishments, I can log in and manually change the data. So once you submit, you, you can use a mix to correct or, or fix. In county government, we have several EMS stations across the country. The max number of employees at each station is eight. Since there are less than 20 at each station, would we report them all together as one establishment? And if so, what address should we use? Uh, so you wouldn't report them electronically if, uh, if you have fewer than uh, 250. I don't see uh, EMS as one of the high risk. Uh, so in that case, you wouldn't submit them. You wouldn't combine them. Are construction sites considered individual establishments if the staff is based out of a headquarters office? That's a good question, and I actually don't know that one, but I can uh, follow up on that one later. Okay, uh, this next one, back to NAICS, and I, I think it may relate to what you had spoken to earlier. Um, but we have tow business units with different NICS codes at the same physical location. One has 20 employees, the other has less than 20, just verifying that they would only submit for the one business unit. Uh, if they are the same company uh, at the same physical location, they would be considered to be one establishment. Um, I don't think OSHA has any guidance on how you would apply the code. Uh, if you might have multiple industries, I'm thinking that it would be uh, the one that uh, carries the weight. Um, so I. I would look that one up to see which, which NACs would apply. Uh, but it would be reported as one establishment. Next one asks, um, it's kind of a, a two-part of it. Um, it's first asking for a review of the exempt industries. And then we have, um, and it, we also have someone, actually we can get that, that in a moment. They're, they're giving a code update about, um, about OSHA, but I guess first, um, First, if you could address the exempt industries. Uh, so when we're talking about, do you mean exempt industries that don't have to uh, submit uh, between 20 to 249 employees? Um, so there, there is a specific list of certain industries that need to submit. If you are not on that list, then you don't submit. So there's no specific list of exempt industries. Um, going back to what I just referred there, it's someone um, telling that 1960.66B says a federal agency must maintain the OSHA injury illness record keeping, but could you clarify why a federal agency would not need to submit to OSHA? Uh, 
I'm looking at 1960. I might have to defer until I read it. Okay, no, no problem. We still got still got some questions in the hopper. Um, are companies allowed to remove personal identifying information from submission prior to submitting to OSHA? No. Uh, but remember that for this year, we're only talking about 300A, so there wouldn't be any employee data submitted. Does the peak employment need to be exact? Um, I Yes. Uh, at, at, at some point, you, you should know how many employees you had on the rolls for the calendar year, and that would give you the, the peak employment. Uh, our company requires – oh, I'm sorry, go ahead. Uh, so, I mean, really in terms of you aren't reporting your peak employment. Um, so if you're worried about uh, we had 300 uh, peak employees versus 310, that really – that doesn't matter. The, the main difference would be between the break between 19 and 20 and 249 and 250. Um, if if your break is at those two points, then those are the most most important places to get it right. Our company requires drug testing on all medical claims. Is this considered retaliation? All medical claims. I I guess it depends on what uh, you're considering to be uh, medical. Claim. So if you, if you have a policy that if somebody reports an injury or illness and you aren't looking at the circumstances of the injury or illness, then that could be considered retaliation under these provisions. So like the example would be a medical case that is complete that would be completely unrelated to uh, drug use, like a musculoskeletal disorder, um, as opposed to uh, maybe I an injury from a fall and prior to that I was observed you know staggering or you know showing signs of, of drug use um, that would be the, the difference we have many on-call employees are the maximum employees based on either the number of actual employees on your payroll or the highest number paid in a single payroll in the year it would be using your words, the highest number paid um, within the year. So it does include uh, temporary supplemental workers, seasonal. Um, if they've never worked, they wouldn't be included. Uh, but if they've worked once, they would be included in that count. Next one. Um, we supplement our business with temporary staffing and have less than 250 full-time employees. To determine if we need a report, do we include our temporary staffing agency's personnel and our total employee headcount? Uh, so you would include temporary employees who actually performed work. So if you engage a, a temp service and you have a pool of 50 people who you might pull in, uh, but you only use 10, the 10 would be counted. If we have multiple facilities that currently complete their own forms, would they each create their own account with single establishment, or should it be done as a single submittal from the corporate level? 
Um, that's really up to you. I, I would expect that organizations would want one submission rather than individual. Uh, you can do it either way, uh, and that's really a, a decision at, at the business level. All right, next one. Uh, does electronic submission replace local posting of 300A on February 1st? It does not. So all of the uh, requirements related to the paper form still apply. Uh, next one goes back to NAICS. In investigating uh, our sites for this, we discovered that some NAICS are incorrect. Would you recommend fixing them first and then submitting the necessary forms? or submitting the CSV API with the proper NAICS codes and then fixing them afterward? Um, I would make every attempt to submit correct information the first time uh, rather than fix it later. So if you suspect there's an issue or know there's an issue, correct it before you submit. This next one is a follow-up to something that you addressed moments ago. Um, to saying that two, hypothetically two companies are at the same physical address. Company A is responsible for transportation and Company B are the employees who work at the plant. Would these count as two separate establishments? And I would refer you to OSHA's website on the rules for whether they would be considered separate establishments. So again, they do sound like separate industries, um, but it would also need to be have separate systems, uh, I think the example they gave would be that employees uh, are paid from uh, separate organizations. So if, if everyone gets paid from the same company, same payroll system, then I would consider them one establishment. Do we need to track the 300 and 300A per establishment or per the overall company? Uh, those are at the establishment level. I think there might be um, some confusion too. If you're using an electronic system to track injuries and illnesses, um, you can always make reports at whatever level you want, uh, but for record keeping purposes, um, we're talking about actual establishments, which are physical locations. Does peak employment include only active at a given time? Uh, they're, they're just saying it's related, this question is related to turnover, gives an example that they've hired 251 employees but at the peak, only 200 work for them, so would they need to electronically report the 300A? So hired 250, um, I guess I'm not following, so you... They, I'm sorry, they, they, they say they hired two, 251, but at the peak, only 200 work for them. So asking if the peak employment includes only active employees at a given time. Uh, it would include active employees at a given time. So if you have never had a peak of 251 active employees, then it would be 250. Um, we still use an SIC code to identify the establishment. Is this still allowed in electronic submitting? No, it is using the uh, NAICS. If you're required to keep an OSHA log due to a BLS survey for that year, do you have to include that data? Would, um, they're noting that that normally is an exempt location. No, so uh, BLS does not uh, apply to this. So uh, 
we're talking about the establishments that uh, fall within the, the requirements, um, or uh, OSHA may have separate uh, data initiatives uh, where you would be told to submit through there. But uh, BLS is not not part of the ITA. Uh, next item says, my, OSHA, my 2016 OSHA log was updated with additional lost work days that occurred after the OSHA 300A form was developed, signed, and posted from February 1st to April 30th. Just asking that um, they assume they need to update the 300A form before they submit to OSHA electronically. You do not have to go back and update the paper copy that you had posted, uh, but I would post the current correct data to the system. Uh, it, there is an understanding that things change over time. Um, things that weren't cases that weren't recordable become recordable at a later date. Uh, so it is difficult to have just a point in time. This is how it is, and it's never going to change, and that's understood. Uh, so when we're talking about electronic submission, it, OSHA very clearly says that you can submit, uh, and updates are allowed, but they do not require updates. Uh, but you do whatever you submit. You do want it to be uh, current, accurate, correct um, at the time you submit. Next item is looking for a verification that, that it's correct filing. Uh, they explain that we're a healthcare system and have several different establishments, approximately eight different hospitals and several different clinics. The hospitals are filed as different establishments, yet the clinics are submitted as one group. Is, is that correct? Um, it, the breakdown by establishment is they're considered physical locations, so I think your clinics would be considered separate establishments. Okay. Um, next question, where can I find further info regarding the anti-retaliation provisions? Um, so I would go to OSHA.gov slash record keeping, and it will take you uh, to the main page, and there are some guidelines posted as far as anti-retaliation. What's the best way to determine uh, an NAICS code and then what would OSHA use to cross-reference this data point? I actually don't know how they are going to uh, determine if your reported code uh, is correct, um, but for determining your uh, code, uh, you can go to the census.gov um, and do a search for your kind of business on keywords, um, and then uh, any NACs that applies would appear. So you can do a, a search of primary business activities. All right. Um, can you explain the test upload that you referenced when submitting CSV files? Yes. So there is a, just a totally separate system. Uh, it is a, a copy of the ITA, and it, it's a SAM. So there, there's a sandbox, and there's a real system. You can send data to the test site now. You can send production to production if you if you want. Um, but I would say use the test site. There's a link on OSHA's website. Looks exactly like ITA, but it's test. Um, so you know I don't represent any specific establishment, but I was able to go in, create an account, and uh, create uh, fake establishments like I called it Melissa's establishment one, two, three, uh, to test the system. Uh, but again, totally separate systems. If you put it in test, it does not count as your submission. 
uh, and they may purge the data, probably if they get too much and, and storage gets out of control. Uh, but it is, a, it is a good idea to run it through now and know that you are ready to go rather than waiting to the last minute. Um, also, I found so far that the system's fairly responsive, and, and I, I didn't have any problems. And as far as uh, web applications go, it's pretty good. I've seen some reviews that said it was cumbersome, but I've I've seen much much worse. Um, I did not, and I didn't read directions. So. Yeah. Well, uh, no, we we appreciate your time. Looks like we're down to to one last question. Um, in terms of regulatory developments, is there a possibility that the December 1st, 2017 deadline for electronic submission of 2016 300 days could be moved or delayed again? Um, is there the possibility that the requirement to submit the 300A will be eliminated? Very much. Anything's possible. Um, there, there is not a lot of information as, as far as what's going on uh, at the regulatory level. Um, the date may change. Uh, it, it could go away entirely, um, or uh, like I said, it, it might change in the future, like maybe uh, the electronic submissions are limited to 300 days. Maybe uh, the uh, industries are, the list of industries gets smaller. Um, so my advice would be to uh, keep up to date with OSHA. Um, I would consider them to be my, my main source of information. Again, just be beware of, of blog posts because uh, some of them are not moderated. Um, but definitely there, there could be some change. So I think the, the best way to move forward is to assume that the 300A for December 1st will stand. Uh, be ready to submit. Um, and if when we get to, to late November, things still stand, go ahead and submit to the production site. Okay. Well, uh, again, thank you. Unfortunately, we have run out of time. Uh, we're sorry that we didn't get to everyone's questions, but again, all of today's unanswered questions will be forwarded on to our speakers. Um, once more, we hope you take the time to fill out the evaluation survey on your screen to give us your feedback. And with that, we end today's Safety and Health Magazine webcast. I'd like to thank Melissa Kephart, Andrew Penner, everyone at Cordy, and all of you who listened in. Thanks, and have a great day.